0: I don't do dad jokes, I'll just let, let you know. But I, I do want to make an introduction today. Um, we, um, in the first service, we, um, for those of you who were here for the pre-roll, uh, we showed you slides of uh, four families that dedicated their children, um, dedicated themselves to raising their children in such a way that they would come to know Jesus Christ. And uh, just because we have the two services, and occasionally I'll have somebody say to me, hey, Pastor, how come you have two services when you could fit everybody in one service on campus? And I'll just be real honest with you, it's because our online stream at nine o'clock is double what our online stream is at 11 and our on-campus is more than what our on-campus is at nine, our our 11 o'clock is. So the fact of the matter is in order to serve everybody, we need to continue to do this, and and our team has been wonderful at helping us do that. But I also want you to know that next Sunday, following both services, uh, we will be uh, having a reception, uh, a farewell reception, To two staff members, uh, Ashley Smalley, who's been our preschool director, uh, is going to be stepping away. Uh, Next Sunday will be her last Sunday doing that. And then Terry Downey, who's been one of our pastors um, in our student ministry. She's been our next generation pastor uh, for discipleship the last uh, several years. In fact, she's been on our team for 19 years. And Terry's going to step away from those responsibilities, has a real clear call from God on that. And we're supporting her in that. And so, next Sunday, after both services, we're going to have a reception. We hope you'll stop by, thank these two ladies for their contributions. But we also want you to know that because we did a little research, and there are, in the last 12 months, um, there have been over 60 children, age three and below, who've been checked in to one of our services, and because there are over 150 children um, in the Uh, K through uh, sixth grade area that have checked in uh, to one of our services during that time frame. And because since January there have been nine new babies born, uh, we don't want to forget our children's ministry. And so we've asked um, some people to join our team and I'd like to introduce them to you. This is Mark and Mary Kronz. um, And uh, Pastor Mark has been uh, pastor in the Church of God in Michigan, Come on over here, all right? They made me promise not to give them a microphone, Um, and I've known Mark a long time, and that was an easy promise to make, uh, to to, to not give him a a microphone. But they're joining, yeah, and Mary's like, please, don't give Mark a microphone. But uh, they're joining our team beginning July 10th um, as our pastors of family and early childhood. And so we just wanted to introduce them to you today. And I wanna, and they, they did really, they said, please don't make us talk. And so the, I'm not gonna do that, but I'm gonna ask you, would you help us welcome Mark and Mary? They've been a part of our congregation for a few years, but, but we're joining our team. You? Thanks guys, appreciate you. And uh, I I will say to you, COVID has changed the the landscape in lots and lots of ways, and yet God continues to be faithful and continues to use Eastside in some very powerful ways around uh, this community and around the world. So it's Father's Day, guys. Uh, A few years ago, I was uh, at a wedding, I do a lot of weddings, Uh, this particular one happened to be... Uh, with an Anderson University uh, student. Um, actually, the bride and groom were Anderson University students, and I knew them from their time at AU, but didn't really know their families that much, and they'd ask if I would travel to another state and do the wedding, and, and so uh, I, Becky and I did, and, and uh, at, the, at the rehearsal, I'm trying to meet people, I'm trying to get acquainted with, you know, who am I talking to, who's, who's the family, because I know the bride and groom, but you know, you kinda wanna know everybody else, and so as I'm, as I'm getting acquainted with them, um, I, I meet a guy that uh, I look at him and say, are you the father of the bride? And he looks at me and says, I am. Here's my card. He had a father of the bride card. And, and here's what it said. It said, I am the father of the bride. Nobody's paying much attention to me today. But I can assure you that I'm going to get my fair share of attention. A banker, a caterer, a florist, a dress shop, a travel agent, several musicians and a minister are all watching me very, very closely. I uh, thought, yeah, that, that's, pretty good. that's a pretty good line, you know. I'm the father of the bride. Well, guys, on Father's Day, um, it's, it's important for you to know that... Uh, We need to have some conversation. Now, I want you to know I've got several choices as a pastor on Father's Day. Uh, One is to come in and challenge all of you to be better men, all right? Stand up, stand up for Jesus. That's what we used to sing when I was a young preacher on Father's Day, you know? You guys just got to, you know, man up, be a better man, go charge the gates of hell, let's go do it, all right? And I've done that for years with some guys, and every once in a while, one or two of you took a squirt gun and ran at hell, and that's not bad, all right? Um, but but I think there's something more we've got to deal with right now culturally. And in fact, I think there's something more that we have to deal with biblically. I, I think it's in this concept that we've been talking about about health and ill health for Christians toward the world. I think it's in this concept of toxic and the word we've coined or created, "untoxic," when we're talking about what it means as followers of Jesus to to be the people we were created to be. And, and so ladies, I would enjoy, I, I'd invite you to join us today in this, in this journey into figuring out exactly what it means to live as you were created to live. To, to, to understand that, that you were created in the image of God, that, that, that when when you were born, when you were conceived in your mother's womb, be you male or female, which by the way, it, it's, it's in your mother's womb that that, that, that that begins to take place for you. It's in your mother's womb that, that God begins to shape you and form you. 139th Psalm tells us that, that from even, even the very moment of conception, God had a, a design for you. And, and, and that, that is not a design that you get to choose. It's a, it's a design that he chose for you. The, the problem is he does give you free will. And, and so he gives you a, a willingness and an ability to choose whether or not you live into who you were created to be. And, and as we've been talking about what it means to be untoxic in a world that is toxic, what it means to bring health into a world of ill health, then it becomes really important that, we, that we're clear that, that what we're talking about here is not that you choose to be who you want to be, but that you choose to be who God created you to be. And God created you to be his child. He created you to be his daughter, his son. He created you to be a person who reflects his own image in your life. And whether you live in rebellion or in connection, the the image he created for you is still the same. The choice is whether or not you choose to live into what he wants in your life. And so the apostle Paul is is writing to this group of believers in the first century in this town called Colossae. We've been looking at that letter for these last few weeks in this, this Untoxic series. And today, he starts wrapping up the letter in the fourth chapter, and, and it's an interesting an interesting part of the letter, because what, what he's saying to them is kind of a, a, a cursory overview of everything else that he's taught them. And remember, what he's been trying to teach them is that you are made in the image of God, and that you're his chosen children. And that when you're living into the image of God, when you're living in the way God created you to live, then what happens is that as you do that, you, you begin to be a person who is who's able to withstand the heresy, able to withstand the ill health, able to, to, to withstand the toxicity of the world around you. And right now, I think that's, that's the calling of God on the church is that we began to live in such a way that that as as the children of God, as the sons and daughters of God, we bring this this healthiness into the unhealthy world. And in this fourth chapter, he he does something really interesting. He begins to describe a a process of, of what it means to live as a generous person. And on Father's Day, I think that's a really important concept, both for men and women to grab hold of. The concept of being made in the image of God, the concept of choosing to live into who you were created to be, and then, and then the concept of, of understanding that as a part of living into that image and being who you were created to be, there's going to be a part of you that is going to be generous. You're, you're not going to be someone who holds on to everything as if it, it's all going to go away and it's your lifeline. No, no. The, the only thing you hold on to, the only one you hold on to is Jesus, and Jesus is the one who shapes you and molds you. And so I wanna invite you to look with me in the fourth chapter of Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, in Colossians chapter four. I'm gonna start reading at verse two, and I want you to to hear with ears that will let you understand God's design for you, what he wants to do in your life with the gifting he's given you. Paul says this to the church. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the best use of the time Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Now, Paul says to these folks, listen, there's this way to live that I want you to to hear. I want you to hear that generous people are thankful people. Generous people are thankful people because, because they're prayerful. They're prayerful people. Now, now I, I know for some of you, when we say prayerful people, you, you automatically get like images of, of people in, in monasteries or you get images of people in spiritual retreats or, or whatever it is about, about prayer that you've got in your mind. But, but when I, can I say something to you? Being, being a person of prayer is, is not someone who can just repeat the Lord's prayer at the drop of a hat, <laughs> being a being a person of prayer is not someone who, who has a, a, a war room, a prayer war room. It's, it's not just that. It's, it's not someone who, who all the time is walking around telling everybody, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. No, that, that's not what Paul's talking about here. What, what Paul's talking about is a is a person of prayer who, who has a connection with God because they understand that God made them and they and they understand that that God has shaped them and wants to shape them into his image. And so the prayer that that Paul's talking about, the kind of prayer that grounds you and and creates a a, a gratitude and a thanksgiving in your heart is is the kind of prayer that, that Jesus himself prayed. It was radical prayer. I mean, the people in his culture prayed three times a day. It was a ritual. It was a cultural thing. And yet, when Jesus prayed, the one thing that that his disciples asked him to do was to teach them how to pray. They knew all the prayers. They knew all the religious stuff. But they didn't know about the way Jesus prayed. And here's what made it so different. When Jesus prayed, Jesus prayed as if God was standing right there. Sometimes I have people say to me, Pastor, I I just don't know how to pray. I I don't know what the right words are. I, I, I try to remember. I try to do that. No, no, no. Listen, praying is about a connection to God that starts with a conversation. So you wanna learn how to pray? It's real simple. Believe that God is present in your life. Believe that he's right there, right next to you, right now. As if he's your best friend sitting in the chair next to you And this this best friend, he loves you more than anybody else loves you and he can talk to you. You don't need another prayer language. You don't need a ritual. You don't need a special incantation. You don't need a mantra. What you need is a relationship. You need an opportunity to just simply talk to the one who made you, who knows you better than you know yourself. See, that's why the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray they knew all the right prayers from the old testament they knew all the rituals but no but when Jesus prayed he did things like this he called god abba papa he he talked to god as if god was right there and he said things about god like you know the father and i we're one There's nothing that I can do without the Father. I I, I can't do anything without my Father. And my Father chooses to speak to me. You see, cultivating your prayer life may lead you into some of the rituals. It may lead you into some of the spaces. It may lead you into all of the kinds of historic forms of prayer. But can I tell you, if it doesn't lead you to a relationship, it's not the kind of praying Jesus prayed. The kind of relationship where you can When you can look as Jesus did on the night before he died, and he's facing crucifixion. He's already talked to his disciples. He spent three years doing his Father's will. He's done everything he's been asked to do. And now in the midst of his humanity, he's on his knees in a garden where he's prayed many times before, sometimes early in the morning, sometimes late at night. And he's on his knees, and he's saying, Father, Abba. Papa, if there is any way you can take this cup from me, if there's any way that we can provide the salvation, the forgiveness, the mercy, the grace that, that all of your creation needs, if there's any way that you can do that without me, having to suffer what I'm about to suffer. Is that Father, is there any other way? I mean, how honest do you have to be with God to say to God, hey God, could you change your plan for me? Which, by the way, that's about the only prayer some of you know. Hey God, give me what I want. This is how I need it. Do it this way, God. In fact, some of us use church language to tell God what he ought to do, as if he doesn't know it. Friend, listen to me. The control of your life It's not you controlling it. It's you giving up control to God. So that God is as close to you as the literal air you breathe. And you say to him, Papa, Father, I'm going to do what you want me to do because you know me. You made me. See, when when Paul says to the people in Colossae, I want you to steadfastly pray for me. He wasn't talking about a 24-hour prayer vigil. And there's nothing wrong with a 24-hour prayer vigil. He wasn't talking about fasting. No, no, he he was talking about a relationship. Look at the scripture again. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us also that God may open to us a door for the word to, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Well, Paul Paul's saying, Listen, I need you to pray, not that God will just you know take care of me, but but that When when God's at work in my life, I want you to pray that I'll have the courage, I'll have the opportunity, I'll have the clarity of mind, the clarity of speech to actually be the healthy person in the unhealthy situation, to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus, because that's what I'm in prison for. I'm in prison for being healthy. See, right now in our culture, there are some who've declared the church to be toxic because they don't understand health. And to be honest, some of us have been toxic, and we've promoted ill health. But what Jesus is saying is, listen, if you really want to be the person I created you to be, if you really want to be who you were made to be, to live into all of your potential, stop trying to determine what your potential is and trust me with it. Trust me, the one who made you, the one who knows you. With your good points and your bad points, with your successes and your failures, trust me, God says. And he teaches men like Paul to say to people, listen, if you really want to be who God made you to be, then I want you to pray in such a way that it creates gratitude in your heart. It makes thanksgiving be a part of who you are. See, I want to say something to you that I hope doesn't offend you, but, but, but if you're a crank, you're not a, you're not a prayer warrior. If you're, constantly, if you're constantly criticizing people in your prayers, have you heard prayers like that? God, please take care of this person. God, please take care of that person. No, no, if, if that's who you are, you're not a prayer warrior. Prayer warriors are people of grace. Prayer warriors are people of gratitude. Prayer warriors are people who pray steadfastly with thanksgiving that the Word of God would be given an opportunity you want to be a good dad guys pray for your kids that way see the hardest thing in the world for us as a parent is to pray that to pray that god will do what he wants to do in our kids lives instead of what we want for them one of the angriest times i've ever had as a pastor i'm confessing to you i was sitting in my office one day and I, a young man and his father came to see me. The young man had been active in our youth ministry and, and God was calling him, had his hand on him to do ministry in some form. The young man wasn't really sure what form it was. He just knew that God was calling him to do something. And he was a high school senior and it was, it was time for him to make some decisions. And, and He'd been thinking and praying and talked to our youth pastor and, was, and had talked to me about, about God calling him into ministry and going to a Bible college. and and preparing to serve God somewhere in the world. And on this particular day, he sat in my office with his father, and this father looked at me and looked at him and said, I've been saving money since the day he was born for him to go to college to be an engineer. I've been saving money since the day he was born for him to go to college so he could have a life. I am not gonna pay for him to go to a Bible college. I'm not gonna pay for him to go study for ministry. I am not gonna pay for him to do anything. In fact, I won't help him at all. Now, here's the crazy thing. The dad was on my board. Oh, by the way, it wasn't East Side at that time, just to let you know. And I, and I remember thinking to myself, if God is calling your son, God will take care of your son. But my friends, some of you know that angst because you've got dreams for your kids. But what God is asking you to do is to be generous and trustworthy and prayerful and live with thanksgiving that God will make your children into who he created them to be. Generous people. Generous people are. They're thankful. Because they're prayerful. And generous people are wise. They're wise in their interactions with other people. Because they, they value the wholeness of other people. They want those other people to, to be who they were created to be. And so, so they're wise in the way they, they interact with them. That, that's, a, that's a powerful lesson to learn. For those of us who are followers of Jesus. Now, for those of you who, who are parents of preschoolers, you're learning it already, all right? What word is that you've said recently that your child says back? My granddaughter learned a word. The word is hibachi. She's two, not quite two. I'm like, how did you learn how to say hibachi? Well, because my kids took her to a, to a hibachi restaurant. And at two years old, 22 months, she, you'd ask her, hibachi. she will repeat, hibachi. I got in trouble because we were over at my, at my house doing something, and a piece of ice fell on the floor out of the freezer, and I said, "So some of you from another generation, ice, ice, baby. <laughs> Did you ever hear a 22-month-old look at you and say, ice, ice, baby? See, the the, the reality is, what you do, people around you will see, and they will do. And some of us have been toxic to the culture. Some of us have been unhealthy for for the thing of Christ simply because we have not been wise in the way we've interacted with the people around us. Look at the way Paul says it. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. See? if you're in this place where you're willing to say to God hey God listen take control of my life I want to I want to have this relationship where I'm able to talk with you where I'm able to listen to you where I'm able to connect with you in such a way that it's changing my life then God what I what I need you to do is I need you to help me as I connect with the people around me because they're going to see what I'm like they're going to see what I'm really doing and it's you know it's not just preachers it's you too not just people in the church, it's, it's everybody. What you do, you rub shoulders up against people all the time. Years ago, this was driven home to me when I was a college student working a job at uh, the Western Auto Distribution Center of the South in Jackson, Mississippi. It was a great job to have as a college student. The, the, for the summers, we, we unloaded boxcars, we drove forklifts, we filled orders that went out to the stores all over the Southeast. And it involved some heavy lifting, and we had to be at work at like 6 a.m. in the morning, and we worked till three, and then we could, then we could go to the weight room and get our workouts in with, that our coaches had given us. And everybody that, that worked in that department, the supervisor had some connection with, with college and high school coaches. And so he, everybody, we all played football or baseball or basketball somewhere in college. And so we had a lot of stuff going on. One, I worked there about five summers. And, and about the third summer there, there, was a, there were two new guys who got hired. They they were going to a to a college that I won't mention because we stream the service online. All right, and uh, as they were going to that as they were going to that college, they were studying for ministry, and they made it know you know, very quickly when they showed up at the at the warehouse that they were pastors in training. They made it known by having the biggest Bibles I've ever seen in a the workplace. They brought them into the warehouse. And every time we had a break, they they drove forklifts. And so they'd pack their forklifts up, and they'd go over into a little holy huddle, and they would begin to pray out loud for all the other workers, including me, by name, that Jesus would save us from our sins. I want to say, I'm a ministerial student too. And we had a little man working there with us. His name was Shalar Jitigarun. He was from Laos. I practiced really hard to learn how to say his name. Everybody just called him Charlie. And one day, Charlie, Charlie came by, and we were talking. Because by about the fourth week, here's what had happened. These two guys who were preachers, these two guys who were pastors in training, these two guys with the hugest Bibles I've ever seen in my life, these, these guys, not their break time that we all got, suddenly, instead of being the 10 minutes or 15 that we were given, uh, we, they were suddenly, they're in their break for 30 minutes. And suddenly, they're not getting their work done which meant the rest of us were having to do their work for them. And I, and I remember so vividly Charlie coming up to me because they, they had committed. and they, You could hear them. They're in there, and they're praying for Charlie and his family because they're heathens, and they're not Christians, and they're from Laos, and they've got this pagan religion. I mean, they're out loud saying this stuff about the guy that's working right next to them. So one day, Charlie rolled up on his little little electric cart thing that we had. stood on to fill orders with and he rolls up next to me just at the beginning of a break and he looks at me and said Carrie are you a Christian I said "Uh, yes Charlie I am he said are they Christians I said well Charlie yes they are why are you so different I'm like what do you mean he said If Christians don't do their work, I don't want to be one. You do your work. I think I might wanna be a kind of Christian you are. I'm not telling you that about me. I'm telling you that about us. I'm telling you that we've got a world that looks at us as if we're, and and they watch us, and that's why Paul is saying. He said, look, be wise in your interaction with outsiders. Be wise in the way you talk to people Live with an ethic, live with a generosity, live with an understanding that you were made in the image of God and who you are and what you do impacts somebody else's view of Jesus. And and that's, that's a huge thing because, hey, they're looking at you and they wanna know, does this Jesus make any difference in the way you treat people? Does this Jesus make any difference in the way you work? Does this Jesus make any difference in the way you live your life? Is there really such a thing as grace? Is there really such a thing as forgiveness? Is there really such a thing as mercy? Because I'm just telling you, I'm not sure I see it in a lot of people who call the name of Jesus. Paul says, listen, pray steadfastly for me with thankful hearts so that the door will be open, my mind will be clear, my words will be clear, I can share the gospel of Jesus. And, And when you're doing that, be wise in the way you talk to people. And then he wraps this thing up with this amazing little statement that you miss if you don't know the New Testament. Because here's what he, he, he says to us. He, he says, Listen, I want you to know that generous people, g- generous people are are people who are trustworthy and, and faithful. And, and they're trustworthy and faithful because. Because Jesus is helping them live into who they were created to be. Here's the passage. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother and faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts and with him Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Now, you're looking, okay, so he's like giving instructions and giving greetings. There's this guy named Tychicus and this guy named Onesimus. Now, here's, here's what you need to, to understand. Several times in the New Testament, when Paul writes a letter, a letter to the Ephesians, this letter to the Colossians, in, in the book of Romans, he, he talks about Tychicus. He talks about this Tychicus guy because this Tychicus guy has become someone who is faithful and trustworthy and can be depended on. And so he says to the church in Colossae, look, I'm writing you this letter, I'm giving it to this guy who's faithful, this guy who can be trusted, this guy who has lived into who God wants him to be, and so I'm giving it to him so he can bring it to you. He said, oh, and by the way, I'm also sending Onesimus. Now, for those of you who haven't read the New Testament, this is one of the greatest stories in all the New Testament. See, there's an, another little letter that goes with these guys, besides this one, the Colossae. It's in your New Testament. It's called Philemon. It's so short, it doesn't even have chapter divisions. And Philemon is this letter that Paul writes about Onesimus. Because, you see, just like Tychicus was a guy who was a faithful uh, servant and trustworthy, Onesimus was a runaway slave. He was a guy who had stolen from his master. He was a guy who had run as far as he could. He was a guy who wanted nothing to do with those Christian people because the church was meeting in his master Philemon's house. And when he ran as far as he could run, when he got as far away as he could get from the hypocrisy that he thought he saw, he ends up getting arrested. And he ends up in jail next to Paul. This Paul that he'd heard about from Philemon, this Paul he had heard about from the other members of the church in Colossae that met in Philemon's home. And now here he is, and he's asking. He's being asked to take a letter back home. And if you read Philemon, you'll discover this. You'll discover that what he's also being asked to do is to go back and make things right with the man who was his owner. As a a runaway slave, what Paul is telling them is, look, you need to make things right because you stole from this man. You cheated this man. Oh, and by the way, the name Onesimus, it means useful. And Onesimus had been anything but useful to Philemon. And now with this letter, where Paul is talking about praying with thanksgiving and being trustworthy and, and being someone that, that is wise in how you interact with outsiders, he's sending Onesimus back to say, hey, look, (laughs) forgiveness and grace and mercy come from the heart of generosity. My friends, on this Father's Day, I do think whether you're male or female, whether you're married or single, whether you're a parent or not a parent, (laughs) God is still asking the same thing of us. He's asking us to be people who are faithful, people who are trustworthy, people who who are marked by the grace and forgiveness we've talked about as untoxic people, people who, uh, who really can discover that when God is faithful to us, he creates in us a faithfulness. So, gentlemen, it's Father's Day, and here at East Side, you know, I, I'm usually looking for something that you can take away, because as you saw the donut wall when you came in, you're going to eat those, and they're going to go away. <laughs> well, for some of you, they'll stay um, in places, but, but by and large, you'll consume them, and they won't be there anymore. But I wanted you to have something today, gentlemen. Something that would remind you that you are called to be a generous person. You you are called to to be a person who's wise in the way you act toward the world. You are called to be a person who literally prays and thanks God in a conversational way. And so um, up here at the front, we have these, these little key rings and, and what they say on them, uh, first of all, they're very small because I know some of you have like massive key rings, but there's a little plastic part to it, and, and it simply says this, man of God for you. And I, my prayer is that as I prayed over these this week before we gave them to you, I, I, to, to say, hey, look, I want every, every man here to have this as a gift from me to say to you, hey, Would you, would you every time you pull out your keys be reminded that God has called you to be for people, and that that's who you've been called to be, a man of God for others, because Jesus is for you. So if you're on campus with us today, I'm going to ask you, would you stand with me? And we're going to sing. And gentlemen, I'm going to invite you while we sing to simply come forward to these altars and pick up one of these as our gift. For those of you online, I'm going to ask you just in the chat room to connect with Pastor Jason. He'll give you information about how we can get one of these mailed to you as well. So today, thank you for being people who are willing to let God bring health into your life. Let him do that today, fellas.